0: Heartfelt Sympathy is the title of our message today, and uh, I want to speak to us just for a moment out of First Peter chapter 3. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, uh, First Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 8 to begin with, heartfelt sympathy and looking towards others. Let's stand while we read uh, this portion from Scripture. And uh, We'll pray that it speaks to us today First Peter chapter 3 verse 8 Finally All you should be of one mind Sympathize with each other Love each other as brothers and sisters Be tender hearted and keep a humble attitude Look at your neighbor and say keep a humble attitude Keep a humble attitude Don't repay evil for evil Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And his ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you today, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you for your encouragement. God, just help us today to have a heartfelt sympathy, Lord, in our, in our actions, and Lord, that you would help us to become the Christians that you want us to be. And Lord, uh, just as Greg prayed a moment ago, be with those that are being affected today, Lord, with the storms that are coming ashore. Lord, just be with them, Uh, help us to assist in whatever way we possibly can. And God, just uh, protect us with your hand. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. This time of year is uh, September 11th, and we all know that 9-11 is the uh, season of the year of... uh, a time of reflection for us as a, as a body and as a country to look back upon those years, uh, the every year annually, 9-11, as a point to remember the things uh, that happened to our country. And uh, we all know that uh, day in 2001 on 9-11, September 11th, that evil inflicted itself upon our country. And tried to uh, divide us and conquer us, but we understand today that in their actions of trying to incite evil upon us, that uh, that it actually united us for a season, for a time. And Peter is saying here in this scripture, finally, all of you should be of one mind. And I want to speak a little bit today about unity how unity can empower us to do things that we cannot do separately, that there's a power in unity. Uh, Solomon even said how good and pleasant it is for people to dwell together in unity. uh, That's somewhere back in the Psalms, I can't remember exactly which one, but it it talks about that we can be together in unity, I think it's Psalms 100, but uh, we should be of one mind, that we should be of one heart, of one understanding that we're together because uh, we're stronger together than we all are apart. And during the founding of our country, uh, I think it was Benjamin Franklin, the, one of the uh, states in the original uh, time when they were setting up the 13 colonies, one colony said, Well, we don't want to be a United States of America, we want our own little hubs everywhere. And Benjamin Franklin done an explanation of, of getting a stick and breaking it very easily, and then he put thirteen sticks together and held them and tried to break them and it was unbreakable and it proved the point that we are stronger together than we are apart and that's the same way in Christianity uh, anytime we become a lone wolf or stand standoffish or, or try to handle things on our own and don't need community and, and think we can do it all ourselves, we will become broken and there's a power and unity in the church where that we can bind together as Christian brothers and sisters and love each other and be there for each other and make each other stronger amen there's seasons in all of our life where that we need others And Peter I think is expounding here to tell the church that finally If all of you should be of one mind Because sometimes in church it's easy to get separated It's easy to get on a different path and do our own thing But God really wants a united front from Bethesda I think God really wants a united front from the church as a whole whether you be Catholic or Presbyterian or or any of the denominations the Methodists, the, the, all all those the Baptists, the Christians uh, if we would all join together, we're stronger together Peter goes on to say, sympathize with each other sympathize with each other and there's a thing in the video there that talks about how that empathy is different than sympathy and we're going to go over that shortly uh, sympathy is the person that says when you're hurting, do you want a sandwich is what the lady says there and and sometimes that, that sympathy is something that you, you, you think you're doing the right thing. It's like, man, they look like they're hungry and they're sad. Maybe, maybe a sandwich will help, right? So just offer them a sandwich. And they're not really wanting a sandwich at all. They're wanting somebody to sit there and listen. Because most of the time, we try to think about what we're going to say next when somebody's speaking to us about something they're perplexed with or trouble in their life. And we'll be sitting there listening, but we're not really listening because we're actually listening only enough to get enough to give them an explanation. Sometimes people don't need answers. They just need an ear. So if we want to become a good communicator, Brothers and sisters, do you and Maddie just always get along just perfectly. Is it just like the perfect world in that home where it's, it's just like, oh, it's the most peaceful haven of rest. Uh, it's not the Ollie Hop Noodles haven of rest. Uh, but I, I love what Peter's saying here, love each other as brothers and sisters. So sometimes brothers and sisters uh, fight, right? They squabble. They have a little disagreement or or she's always right and she's got dad's better side or whatever, you know. So there's always this uh, component of brothers and sisters. And as Peter is, is, is saying that, I think he's taking into the equation that we aren't always going to get along perfectly. Amen? But that same time, the brothers and sisters that don't get along perfectly all the time, if somebody at school messes with Maddie, I think they got a little mark to put up with. See what I'm saying? Even though they don't get along at home and they take care of issues uh, fighting over who's going to get which spoon or which plate or something like that, I remember us going to my grandma and grandpa's and it was like, who, who, who could get to the cabinet fast enough to get that red plate? It was like the plate that everybody wanted. It's like we would all, even cousins would fight over the plate, you know, to run to the cabinet so you could get there first to get the red plate. But even at that, we would fight and squabble about it and get mad, well, he's got it last three times or whatever. But then if you messed with any of my cousins, you're messing with me too see what I'm saying that we're together even though we have disagreements and that's the way it is in the church amen sometimes in a church somebody will do something or somebody will say something or somebody might woke up on the wrong side of the bed that morning and it might be something that causes you a little bit of pain but even though it causes you pain and you're, we're still brothers and sisters we're still together amen we still need to love each other no matter what and be there for each other because the world is an evil place this world that we're living in is an evil place And we will get chewed up and spit out if we live out there individually, uh, out in the world on our own basis. We need each other. We need each other's encouragement. So whenever you feel a thought, and maybe it's a a thought through the middle of the the day sometime, you're thinking, well, so-and-so, I I don't know, I just feel like praying for Donna today. And I'm going to shoot her a message on Facebook. Hey, Donna, how you doing? I know you're working. You seem tired lately. And just shoot her a message. Say, I encourage you today. God's good. Amen? Just small little increments of encouragement goes a long way. And I try to do that myself, but, but I, can't, I can't do it all with everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, a, it's a hard task to keep up with everybody, and I can't keep every individual person and all their family and their extended family. I, I can't keep up with that. My brain is too small. I'm telling you, I, my mind just, I lose track. I lose focus. And that's why as a church that it's not about me uh, serving all of you as individuals, where that I gotta keep track of every individual in this room because I can't keep track of who's hurting and when and what all's going on in everybody's life. That's why it takes all of us. Amen. That the that the working of the ministry of the church is to be everybody's job. And I'm involved in that. I don't want to be disconnected. I don't want to be somebody that's just up here on a on a platform that gets to speak every week that's not involved in your life. I want to be involved in your But I love it whenever I see connectedness amongst the members of the congregation. I love it when Greg connects to somebody that you think, well, wow, I can't see that connection. How could Greg ever connect with that person? You wanna know how? You'll see him out there with Braden, zipping zip, whatever they are, little spinny toy things, and and having battles after church out there on the front porch with little zip spinner things. It's like, really? Greg's gonna connect with Braden? How's that happen? He's, He's 50 years old, he shouldn't be playing with toys. But thank God that there's connection. You know why? Because little Braden knows if, if Mr. Greg is there for me, I don't have to worry. If he's going to have a hard time, he's thinking, I know somebody loves me. He might be going through hell at school and setting everything. No, Mr. Greg loves me. And that's what the church is for to be a place that people together connect in such a way that just empowering, it causes us to do great things. Peter, I love that he's speaking this because Peter's a hard case, man. If you studied Scripture, if you studied the story of Acts, man, just read through it. Peter is hardcore. Read through the Gospels. It's crazy what all he would do. But he's got a sympathy, and he's talking about this sympathy. Sometimes his actions wouldn't line up with these words, though. Peter would have these conversations. Jesus say, well, who do men say that? Well, they say you're this, or you're John the Baptist, you're this or that. Well, who do you say I am, Peter? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow, Peter, only God could have shown you that. And then two minutes later, Jesus is telling Peter, he said, Get behind me, Satan. It's like, it's like the way Peter is. He's like schizophrenic or whatever that term is. I've got a little bit of that in me. Amen. I can just I can be all I'm like a pinball or something. I can bounce anywhere. Just something, it's crazy. Peter was like that. But Peter was here, and he's talking about this sympathy. And, and, and in sympathy, we've got to understand that it's truly a good, godly character to have within us a compassion for others, a desire, a heartache. And whenever one's hurting, the Bible says we all hurt. Or whenever one rejoices, we all rejoice. And I thank God for things like yesterday at the, at the event yesterday, the cruise in. It, it's awesome to see a small community like this Just a little bitty community tucked away in the hills of Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia where everybody says everything is wrong. And a group of people get together, put on a little flyer, share it a few times on Facebook, and next thing you know, 30-some cars show up. Most of them are not people connected to a church. And they come wheeling in here and sit, and and then all of you guys come to visit yesterday and just come and hang out with them and walk through the crowd and and talk about their cars and, and connect with them and sometimes then people that come here they're, they're totally disconnected from the church they don't understand church dynamics most guys with old cars are not church lovers they're car lovers right? so as, as we look at this look I look at it as that's a ministry tool it's the reason we do these things and like 9-11 it brought us together for a moment it, it, there's things that brings us together for a moment and that's during the bad times and usually during the bad times we can all hub together pretty quickly and we need to but what about the good times what about the times when it's all fall or when it's all good and everything's rosy and everything's going on that's the moments where we start separating out a little bit we don't need each other as much 9 11 brought the country together and in politics i don't like politics i actually hate politics it, to the way politics divides is the part i don't like i like politics i've been involved I, i've loved politics since I was little as far as watching uh, people run for office, and that stuff. I was an eight-year-old kid, infatuated that Jesse Jackson was running for the president of the United States. It just dumbfounded me. Wow, we're going to have a black president. I was just like, oh man! At eight years old, all my friends was doing everything else. Kevin, him, and uh, Juice Applegate just running into each other and seeing who they could lay on and, and squash during the playground. And I'm there, all infatuated with Jesse Jackson and what all he's going to do and how, how our country is going to do this. At eight years old is just crazy. My mind worked that way that I loved that component of Americanism. And I love America, I really do. I I promise you I do. But there's a part of me that kind of feels sad for America that today we're so divided. So politically, there's there's extremism on both sides, and this is, well, you guys are right wing, so okay, right wing over here, that's your right wing, far extremist on that side, and they're diehard Tea Partyist, and then then you go on the left wing, way over here on the Rainbow Club and all this other stuff and there are just far extremes on both sides and it's like, man, why can't we just get along and be Americans for a moment? Amen? And during bad times that happened. 9-11 when them planes hit the windows and it wasn't just by that evening, the time I got home, I was down at Stewart Station working that day and the time I got home that evening and flipped the channel on to see what all was going on was before cell phones. It wasn't shared all over the world. I had to actually watch the news to see what was going on. I don't know if any you guys don't understand that dynamic but that's the way it was right so I got home watching watched this stuff and I was just sad man there was sympathy and I was heartbroken for the things that I was seeing on TV of, of the people falling out of the buildings and just it was crazy the things it was showing and it brought us together and the next day there was that evening as, as I was watching this breaking news you know they come out and all the politicians got on the steps of the capitol and they got out there God bless America all of them singing God bless America when do you see politicians united with a with a, a perfect focus on a single thing saying we are America. Usually we divide. Right? 9-11 brought us together, but are we more united today as America or divided after 9-11? That's what we have to decide. Now I remember I was in church this time. That next Sunday morning, church was full. All across America, every church was full. You know why? people are scared he's afraid what's going on is this the end time is this apocalypse because we'd already been through y2k just a year before everybody telling us the world's getting ready to end. the computers are going to shut everything down fear brings us in but what happens during the good times that's what we have to talk about that's what being together truly in unity is so this sympathy thing god is telling us through peter here that we are to have this one mind one accord and be like those politicians just come together during the bad times, stay together during the good times. Why not have a comprehensive bill today that will pass both branches of legislation that is bipartisan between Democrats and Republicans? Amen? I haven't saw any of that since 9-11, really. Before, you go back in the 90s, they were passing Bipartisan stuff. Gangrich would work with the other side of the aisle and, and different people from the other side. Lieberman, he was over there bouncing between them and getting stuff done and working. Uh, it, it's amazing how divided we are today. I don't like dividedness. I don't like being divisive. I like being inclusive. And whenever there's a car show out here and there's people that out there are hurting and whenever you watch them walk forward and they come over here and they come, these cruise in all the time, they got their car and they pull up and they come over and they go to register, they want to pay you money. How much is the treasure? Nothing. Free. Can I give somebody some money? They stand there with their money in their hand literally all day yesterday, and it's with their money in their hand. Well, just let me give it to something. No, just keep your money. It's free today. Okay then they go over and they say, "Man, I'm hungry they're over here cooking these pulled pork sandwiches and got these hot dogs going on and they, can I have pulled pork please and Betty there and, and Greg and Donna they was all serving and you know just loving on people and serving these these, these sandwiches and hand it to them and then they reach down and get them popped. and they say well who do I owe how, how much do I, nothing Just it's free free <laughs> I don't understand that they don't understand the concept of free you know why because everything costs you something but with Jesus, salvation is free. And here's something that I've been thinking all week when I was prepared for this message. And this is a quote. I, I would love for you guys to tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it, do something with this. For too long, the church is trying to legislate Jesus when we're supposed to emulate Jesus. We're fighting about which party are we in versus acting like Jesus. Emulation is somebody lesser trying to become somebody greater like a hero. Who's your hero today? I'd love to meet George Washington. I can imagine him my first time on the Potomac going up through there on this big boat. And I just imagine, you know, being right there with George Washington floating up through there. And and it's, it's a revolution going on. Just my mind operates that way. It's like, man, he would be a hero, wouldn't he? Where Abraham Lincoln, being a little poor boy coming out of Kentucky, end up in Illinois and become a lawyer and doing these different things, and, and his, his fiance dying and just all this stuff and heartbreak and stuff going on with Abraham Lincoln. I would love to meet Abraham Lincoln. FDR is one of my greatest heroes. I think of all the studying, I love FDR. His philosophy, his way of life, because he actually acts on something and don't just talk about it. Most politicians talk; he acted. He took the bull by the horns, he made hard decisions, and he made America a better place. He'd be a hero of mine that I'd like to meet. And it's something to think about, that he he had polio and, and about killed him in 1929, and he goes on and gets up out of that bed and says, no, I'm gonna put these braces on my leg. And he had these braces built. He was down there in a swimming pool trying to figure out how to walk again. He never walked again on his own power. And he met foreign leaders, went through World War II, everything else with braces up and down his legs that would hold him up and he'd stand there holding the podium. Americans didn't even know he was broken. Why? Because he's saying there's something inside of me that tells me to get up. And what if we Christians today would unite as a force to say God has called me to a higher calling than anything on this planet, that I'm to be a person that acts like Jesus. He's my hero. I wish I knew as much about Jesus as I know about FDR. Amen? I wish there was as many books about the revolution 2,000 years ago. There was 12 vagabonds running around looking for somebody to believe in them. This guy comes out of the wilderness, begins to talk to them, and they follow him, and then three years later he leaves them in charge, and now they look at the world today. Seven billion people on the planet, over a billion of them believe in Jesus because 12 people fulfilled a calling. What if we knew that revelation as much as we do about the revolution of America? See, Americans, we've come up, come to a place where we put America on a level, and actually it becomes an idol. Amen? I changed the philosophy on this a few years ago. That's, I, now, I love America. I'm telling you, I love America. I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. <laughs> you got to say that when it goes with it, right? But this emulate thing, who's your hero? If I ask you that today, who's your hero? If you go downstairs and ask your kids, little babies, who's your hero? Would they say Superman? Would it say Batman? Would it say Shiva? Do you know who Shiva is? Back in the age of political correctness, <laughs> Couldn't have a he-man without a she-ra. This is a cartoon. This is awesome. Batwoman. Who's your hero? And if we emulate Jesus, our kids' hero should be our hero. Amen. I want the kids of Bethesda. I want their hero to be Jesus. I would rather them look to him. Because in the middle of the night, when they're laying there in their bed scared, Superman ain't coming. Amen. Batman, he's not coming. But I'm telling you, somebody that will come, and he's a friend that's closer than a brother, his name is Jesus. He'll be there. In your deepest, darkest hours, he will be there. Because he's only has, he not only has sympathy, he also has empathy. This video showed us that there's a difference between the two. And I know we need to have a heartfelt sympathy, that there is heartfelt sympathy. And what does that look like? Well, uh, just last night, whenever we was over here, one of, one of the gentlemen walked through here. He was a neighbor right across the street here. He walked over through here, and I was talking to him, and he's like, yeah, I've been up father-in-law's all weekend, and, and he's not done very well. They've got the nurses there and stuff, and he's probably not going to make it. And within that hour, his father-in-law left this world and went into eternity. And I, I I remember the guy from when I rode the school bus all my life. I'd see him out on the porch drinking coffee when, when his son would get on the bus. And last night he went into eternity. And I seen Teresa Parsons that came here for a while. Her and Mark attended here. Mark's uh, the son. And just keep the Parsons family in your prayers. Pray for them. There's a sympathy that needs to be there says I feel sorry for them because any t- anybody anybody's ever faced loss, you ever lost someone you love? When you lose somebody you love, man, there's a there's a grief process that goes th- it, it's hard, it's hard but with God it's better Amen? And sympathy is where I try I, I, I sense that but it ain't just offering a sandwich I can't call up there and say, hey Mark you need a sandwich? That ain't what he wants to hear today Mark needs to hear from me say I love you I'm here if you need to talk. Amen? That's empathy. It's an action. So the best way I knew to explain it, that it come out this morning at Vanceburg, I didn't even really plan for this message to go this way, and I usually try to plan through my message to get a point across or, or things, and as I was talking, and it says in the video, it talks about verbs and stuff. I don't know all that. I'm not an English major. I, 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 I educated in fundamentals. Like in the ninth grade, I was learning uh, division. That's that's where I was at. So I'm, I'm the fundamental guy, right? I don't, I don't, I failed English. I did read Charlotte's Web and got a real good grade in English one time. It was awesome. As eighth grade. Miss Becky Sullivan, she she led me down that path. I read Charlotte's Web. It was awesome. Done a book report. I really did it. But to know what a verb and all this, I don't know what any of that is. So this morning I was, I was talking about this, and I said, well, verb, what's a, I don't even know what that is, you know? So I started, uh, and I was like, well, if you think about, uh, in empathy and sympathy, empathy being action, and, and sympathy just the compassion component. So we can have compassion all we want, but if all we do is get on on Facebook and say, "Well, our heartfelt sympathies are with you," my condolences. Right? That's sympathy. But the action is whether you show up in the line at the funeral or at the visitations and hug their neck and tell them, "I've been praying for you this whole time." Amen. You guys need anything tomorrow? It's being there. It's an action, and Jesus was a man of action. He wasn't a man that stopped in the middle of it. He didn't. He didn't wait through the hard times and say, "Well, this is too hard. I can't finish this." He didn't come in, into Jerusalem that day, and they put the cross on his back, and he'd already been beaten to with a cat of nine tails to the point of he was unrecognizable. They hit him. They spit on him. They they beat him, and here he is with this cross nailed to his back and tied to his back that so he's carrying up the hill to his on, on his own. And we've seen the movie, uh, the uh, what is it, The Passion of Christ. And as he's carrying that, 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 that big plank of wood up the side of the hill, he didn't get to the point where he fell over and he looked over at his mom and all this, you know, these visual aids that we got now. And as he looked over, he didn't think, well, this is too hard. This is too hard on mom. I'd, I'm just going to quit right here. He said, I'm going to finish. And he went all the way to that cross and they beat the nails in his hands And he stood there and looked out all over all creation And every, all of his disciples had left him The only one left there was John The youngest of the bunch And he looked down and he said Son behold your mother, mother behold your son Then he let out the cry It is finished He finished the task that God gave him How many of us quit in the middle Because things start getting hard how many of us in our Christianity we get to a point where it seems like life falling apart? Where it's like this Christian thing's too hard. I'm just going to give up. I, it was easier before. Some people join Christianity because it's a comfort thing. It's not always going to be comfortable. Christianity's hard sometimes, but the thing is, am I going to finish? Paul says, "Blessed are they that endure to the end, because they shall be saved." Just hang in there, folks. Let's stick together, let's bind together Let's love each other, let's encourage each other Let's be the church that was created by Jesus To be a loving, uh, compassionate group of people that has sympathy But not only sympathy, but they have empathy Actions Because we know that actions speak louder than words, right? Always So God is asking us today, what are we going to do? Not just what are we going to say, what are we going to do? Whenever uh, is coming up on Florida And it's going to devastate Florida and, and Harvey just come through and wreaked havoc in Texas And we, we can have sympathy But what is the action behind it And I know it's hard because sometimes Whenever you're looking for somewhere to give and, and you're thinking what way can I help I'm in Kentucky, I'm way far away from that We've got friends and neighbors I've got friends that live in, in Texas I've got friends that live in Florida I've, I have compassion, I have sympathy for them Right. The thing is what's my actions And sure, I could give the Red Cross, but it was proven uh, back in 2000-whatever it was, I or one of them, that they had, the one that hit Florida, the hurricane hit Florida, the Red Cross had their semis driving through Texas. It's a proven fact. They they caught them up in this with empty trucks just to show that as a billboard so they could get more donations. The administrative costs are through the roof with Red Cross. And I'm not beating them. Red Cross does a lot of good stuff with blood and taking blood. They do a component that a lot of people can't, a lot of groups can't. But it was a farce. It was was just a a, a show thing. It was about talking about what all they did, but their actions didn't prove it. There was warehouses that they had set up with nothing in it. There's a group called Convoy of Hope, the thing that me and Leslie went to last year. We had all this food up here stacked up, and we give to the community. You remember the Convoy of Hope thing? We are a church of action amen we're a church of action it actually hurt my heart last week that everybody didn't know where Pastor Wells when he got lost down here last week and he was looking for where to come there were some people around us right here real close that he would stop and ask where's Bethesda they didn't know that hurts my heart you know why because this is supposed to be a salvation station this is supposed to be a place where broken hurting people can come and know Jesus and car shows I love them that's actually touching people you guys did an awesome job yesterday serving the community and serving your fellow man. Now I'm telling you, there's, there's guys out there that didn't understand freedom, but the Bible says he who the son says free is free indeed. Amen? And Jesus can touch people through us. So this empathy, sympathy. A noun is somebody, what do you say, a person, place, or thing. Right now, everybody in this room, you're a noun. You're a person, place, or thing, right? Look at your neighbor and say, I think I'm a noun. Feel, feel kind of like a noun. I'm, I'm here. I'm a person, place, or thing. One of, you got three choices. I mean, you can be a place, you can be a person, you can be a thing. So a noun is that. But what did you say? Uh, a verb, is that what you said, Leslie? A verb shows action. So my whole deal today is I want us to go from the point of sympathy being a noun, a person, place, or thing to empathy being a person of action. I want you to become a verb. I pray that when you leave here today that you're going to leave different than you came. Did anybody desire when you got up out of bed this morning and said, I'm going to church today and I'm I'm not just going to church to be be who I am but I'm going to church to be who I'm supposed to become. I want to walk out different today. I want a heart transplant where that God works on me because sometimes I got a bad attitude. Amen? Some you people in here might have one too. I don't know. What it says here. Be tender hearted, Peter's saying this verse uh, eight there. Be tender hearted and keep a humble attitude. Keep it. A humble attitude. It's it's easy to get a humble attitude every now and then, but what about keeping one? And then he said, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God called you to do. And he will grant you the blessing for the scriptures. Sake. It's easy to get discouraged. In 2012, January, the first Sunday of 2012, I walked into Pastor this church. We, we started this in September of 2010. This is our seventh year our anniversary is right now seven years me and Leslie have served Bethesda most pastors last about 18 months 18 months is about what most pastors last they say if you can make it through seven years you've it's it's going to be okay that's where, you, that's where you're over the hump and it's going to be okay we're going to ride this one out it's like you're on the wave and it's like tilting it's like man I made it you have steady I'm good feel good right now. Seven years, it's awesome, right? But a year and a half in, this 18-month mark, I walked up to the platform that day, and there's 12 people sitting in the crowd. We had seen a few people leave. The morning they inducted us in, and, and what do they call it, installed us in as pastors. Pastor Wells come down, there was people getting up and getting their pans out of the back room and walking out the door. Physically, I watched them get their pans and walk out the door. Pastor Wells said, where are they going? I said, I don't know. I don't know, Pastor." All i know is i feel like god called me here it's my home county it's a lot easier to preach somewhere else because nobody knows ben collier before here everybody knows me i've known greg since i was a knee high to a grasshopper but 2012 this first sunday as i walk into church that morning there's 12 people sitting there and i'm thinking that's counting me in lessons so that means there's 10 others right and we get up and she gets up and plays her music and does her thing and and, and, and next thing you know she, uh, it's just I start preaching and one of the people in the church and actually they're leader of the church they got up and left and they called us that afternoon and said it went too long today my roast was in the oven you know what that makes you want to do? quit you know what the enemy wants you to do today? quit he wants you to walk out here and say, this is too much. You can't live what them people's living. And don't even try to be like them because it's too hard. And he's going to tell you to quit. And as that happened, I, I was going through a struggle. I was like, man, maybe we're just supposed to resign. Maybe somebody else is supposed to come here and, and get these people back together and unite in force and whatever. And, and God just keeps in your heart, no, I've called you. No, I've called you. And God's called everybody in this room be the best version of you you can be to win lost souls to his kingdom It's not just the pastor's job it's everybody's job it's a collective we're united we're in this thing together amen he's called you church I promise you you got a calling on your life but the thing is during those hard times when you want to give up say no there's too much at stake I want heaven to be full and hell to be empty that's what Jesus wanted right so think about that and we could have given up we could have quit we could have resigned Actually, I, I, you know, I type out resignation letters and Like here, I'm going to resign No, no, no God keeps saying, stay with it Later in, just a few months later They send us a letter in the mail that says Do you want to be part of the Healthy Church Network? I had no idea what it was It was just a card coming to the mail from the district office And only a few small churches are going to get them involved in this And it's a year-long process Would you like to become a healthy church? When you're sitting there with 11 people somebody walked out because the roast was overdue I'm thinking yeah I'd like to be a healthy church God and we went and joined that network and the next year 270 kids showed up on Vanceburg campus to have Easter egg hunt because we went through that year long process within one year of that time 270 kids signed paper we ran out of paper there was more than that that was how many papers we had hunting eggs The next day, I think it was 90 some people come in and sit down in the same chairs, 15 months later, why, because we didn't quit, then later on things begin to grow, next thing you know we've run out of parking, we added parking spaces down there, then we looked at building a building, you know why, because we're growing, 90 some people coming is too much, we can't hold them, there's too many people in a little room like this. So I looked at a building, called a, a, a estimating architect firm to come in, they come in they said it's going to be $450,000 to build a building you won. what? <laughs> we had like $25,000 in the bank we would saved up, cash, money in the hand, I was thinking I don't, that'll get us a good start, you know, and they said $450,000, it's going to be $27,000 just to draw it, the architect fee. Man, I don't know about all that. <laughs> Continue to pray, right? Keep in it. Keep fighting. Keep being encouraged. Next thing you know, I'm driving to work up through here, and a no trespassing sign. Looked up right back there on that wall. See that no trespassing sign? That was hanging on the front door of this church. And I drove by here, and this church had the doors locked and a no trespassing sign on that door. It broke my heart. I had sympathy. I was like, God, there can't be a church in our county with the door locked. Too many people that need Jesus to lock the doors, church. And Greg knows the people that has loved and cried. In this room for people to know Jesus. Sympathy told me to be sorry about it. Empathy said, try something different. I called that district superintendent. I said, what are you going to do with that church? He said, what's your lucky day? Because tomorrow I was supposed to meet with the realtor, and we're going to sell it. He said, we can save the realtor fee. Amen. God can save you money. What I thought I wanted to do with $450,000 and be in debt, God says, no, here's your building. And the guy says, we'll take $75,000 for it. for both these properties, across the street with the, all the garage everything, and this property, both pieces, for $75,000. We started doing math and all that stuff. I had 25000 in the bank. I, I called the bank, and they said, you, you're good for this amount of money. We was good to borrow enough to get it, but we needed the money to fix it. So I told them, I said, well, I called that guy back, and I said, the most I can give you is $60,000, because we're going to need about 15000 We painted every square inch of this thing, and the total renovation took about $15,000. I said, I can give you 60,000, he said, we'll take it, and today, here we sit, could have had sympathy and just felt sorry for the no trespassing sign, God said, no, have empathy, make actions, do something better, and we drove up here and I carried a cross from that church to this one, how many miles was it, 17 miles, something like that, about broke my hips out of joint and everything else. But we took that sign off that door and said, no, not under my watch. Why? Because God gave me a heart of compassion to do something better than just being in debt for $450,000 and having a nice, pretty new building. God said, why not have two? Actually, I've got a dream for five if you want to know Pastor Ben's vision. I can't wait for the day. God allows us to do more. that's what we're supposed to do is more that's heartfelt sympathy turning into empathy, action you're going to leave here a verb today because this week you're going to touch somebody I promise you every person in this room God is going to allow you to touch somebody this week 9-11 dinner you can do that tomorrow won't you stand unless they come I'm sorry I went over I plan to be short winded but I've been going for four weeks Thank you, Leslie, for preaching one week and Dusty and Albie and Pastor Wells for coming down and filling in. A month off after seven years was uh, restful. and I love you guys dearly. And back to church Sunday. It's once a year, and I'm telling you, your likelihood of getting somebody to come with you next week is through the roof compared to normal. I think it's 97% of people come to a church because somebody asked them. The reason people come is because somebody asked them. And there's some statistics I read that says like ten, only 10% of the church people in here today will ask somebody. Y'all have got sympathy. Y'all care about somebody and somebody's in your mind right now that God's already planted there to say, man I feel I, I want so and so to be here next week. The difference in them coming or not is by you turning it to empty to say, I'm going to ask them this time. It'll be uncomfortable, I'm going to do it. Your likelihood to get them here is through the roof on the back to church Sunday. It's just crazy. What was it a few years ago? We had a hundred and I think it was 118 mm-hmm. showed up on a back to church Sunday at Bethesda. And our goal this year is 1% of Lewis County, it's 13,800 people, 835 live here in the census I'd like to see 138 people here next week that was my goal on January 1 to see 138 people reach for the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ won't you help us do that if everybody at Bethesda would invite one person to peace we'll, we'll far exceed that if you count the number of people truly that say Bethesda is my church right now it's about 110 people so we could easily if everybody would just invite one count the kids too we'd have 220 people here next week. It's not about numbers. It's about them reaching Jesus. Amen? I don't want to tell any numbers. It's not about numbers. It's about salvation, radically transformed lives. I don't want to be a noun. I want to be a verb. Don't you? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to every heart in this place. Lord, that you would cause your word to be accomplished today. Lord, that you're going to reposition people. Lord, that you're going to do heart transplant in this place, even in this very moment. So, God, I pray that you would give them boldness right now. As your pastor, I want to very simply ask you this. Are you tired of being a noun? And you're ready to say, God, make me a verb. Let me be a world changer. Is that you? Just raise your hand right now. Anybody in this place that wants to be a verb? You're ready to let God work through you and give you boldness to share this gospel, Amen. Hands everywhere, hands everywhere. Put them down. Church, you're called to greatness. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would embolden, that you would empower. Every individual of Bethesda, God, this week, even though the ones that are going to listen to the recording this week, Lord, as they're listening in their cars or they're listening there at work, God, I pray that you would just empower them right in that spot in this moment, God. Time does not bound you. Distance, you're not bound by that either. God set us free in this place today to be your witnesses. Let us be men and women of action. Let us have integrity. God, check our attitudes even now, God. Listen to our voices when we don't do evil, God. Hear our prayers according to this word that we just spoke here out of 1 Peter chapter 3. It says that you'll hear us cry when we do good. Help Bethesda to be a good group of people this week. Everywhere we go, every person that we touch. Bless the food tomorrow, God, for 9-11. Touch our veterans. Touch our community service people, God. Touch our police forces, road workers. Lord, the people that uh, guard the jail. Over those ones that take our taxes. Lord, that we get so mad at that we, Lord, help us to be grateful. We can even pay our taxes. Change our attitude. Let us rejoice in the joy of our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.